Good. Does that work? There we go. We've got a new, new mic testing out this morning, so I don't have to hold the other thing. Thanks, Alan, for sorting that out. Anyway, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get straight into this morning's message. Father, thank you that we can come together to worship you, to meet with you, and uh, look at your word. And this morning, as we do that, Father, I ask that you would speak to each one of us, challenge our hearts, encourage, strengthen us so that we can live as you've created us to live in the fullness of who you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So just off the back of the, the um, well, the beginning of this year, really, and the two weeks of praying, uh, I want to look this week and next week uh, at um, Caleb. Caleb's a chap in the Old Testament who uh, was part of um, the, the group, that came, the Israelites, as they came out of Egypt and uh, before they went into the Promised Land. And I want to look at two aspects of Caleb's life that we, would, we read about in, in Numbers. And so where uh, it's not a whole character study, but there are just some elements from there that I think are really important for us. And um, some of those things have come through through different people's contributions this week as well. So... Um, but when I look at <coughs> us as a local church, but also the church in this nation, we need God to move in a way that we probably have never seen him move before. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that the world is in a mess. There really is. In some ways, our, our nation's also in a mess, but I think that's true for every nation of the world. And, and we need God to move now in this generation and ha- I don't know about you, but that's what I'm praying for. It's an expectation that God would move, breathe and revive his church and move, that people would get saved and come to that place of, of, of knowing him. And that's not, it's not a pipe dream. It's not something, well, I've got nothing else to do. It's something that I'm really passionate about because that's the answer. Jesus is the answer. No amount of uh, conflict resolution, government edicts, anything else can sort out the issues of the world. It is only Jesus and the gospel. And, and it's through us, the church, that God makes his appeal to those who don't know him. And so we really need to be open to that. But the, the, the key from Caleb that I, I want us to look at is these things. That in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, and we'll go a little bit before this in a minute, it says... Speaking of Caleb, God says this, that my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. I will therefore bring him into the land and his descendants will inherit it. So Caleb, God looks at him and it speaks about him being of a different spirit and following God wholeheartedly. And so we're going to look at what that means But it's that different spirit of following God with passion, with zeal, with faith, and living in a way that is not according to the world, but actually according to how God calls us to live. And having a different attitude and a different uh, outlook and a different passion and a different expectation. If you look at the Old Testament, you see different people and different, also in the New Testament, but Daniel also. Daniel was taken as, a, a, as an exile into a nation that wasn't his own. He was given a new name, he, a different name that aligned with their gods and everything else. He lived in a culture that was really anti-God we serve, the false religions and idol worship and weird things that going on. He was made to learn their culture, made to learn their, their history, their poetry, their b- religion and everything else, yet he stood strong in his belief in God and did not waver. And God proved his faithfulness through him in the midst of that. And so the same, you could say we live in a similar place where we live in a world that 
isn't really for God and often speaks things against the truth of the Word of God. And, and we have to live in that place of the world we're in, but living with a different spirit and following God wholeheartedly so that we stand firm. But this morning I want to look at what that means in the life of Caleb. The background to Caleb is that he was relatively in obscurity and then came through. And, and uh, what we see is that Moses, God has used Moses to bring the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They've gone through the desert. They've gone through the Red Sea. <coughs> Pharaoh's armies have been destroyed in the sea as they've crossed through. And they're about to go and inherit. They need to go and inherit the land. And uh, God says to them that this is the land that they go to and inherit. And what happens is Moses sends out 12 spies. Some of you will know the account. He sends out 12 spies, one from each tribe, to go across uh, into the promised land, into Canaan, to see and look what the land is like. And uh, those guys go in, they go and, and see what that is. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to Numbers chapter 13. So the guys go in to Canaan, they see what it is. And, uh, and uh, then they come back with a report. And they came back to, and so in Numbers chapter 13, Numbers in the Old Testament, chapter 13, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole of the Israelite community at Kadesh in the, des- the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. This is the twelve. We went into the land which he sent us to. And it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And the Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with him said, We cannot attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people saw that they were, uh, we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim, the descendants of Anak from the, uh, came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. And then we see from, in Numbers chapter 14, from 1 to 10, how they rebelled against the things that God had spoken to them and, and um, didn't want to go in to take the land. And there was the two, it was Joshua and Caleb, who were the only two out of the twelve who said that they, they can, we can go there. And uh, Moses and Aaron says in, in 14 verse 5 that they fell, down face, fa- they fell face down in front of the whole of the Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of uh, Jeff, I don't know what his name is, um, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the Israelite people, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but God, the Lord, is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And then it goes on later on and it says... 
speaks about uh, that, that verse that I read in chapter 14, verse uh, 23 and 24. But when God looks at the people, so God then becomes angry with the nation because they are lacking faith. They're complaining. They don't want to go in and inherit. They're spreading this false uh, the, the, the rumor and the thing of actually woe is me and we are much less and we're not going to be able to do this. And they rebel and they reject God's plan. And so God is angry and God wants to destroy them. That's how angry God was with them that he wanted to destroy them. And, and, and Moses cried out on their behalf, and God relented. And then, then he says of, so that, that none of them will go in except Joshua and Caleb. And that's where he said, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, uh, I will bring him and his descendants into the land. You see, that, that, that's the context of what it is. And when we look at Caleb, we see these things, that he was of a different spirit and followed God wholeheartedly. Primarily, that means that he led with the fear of God and that his faith and trust and obedience of God was far greater than his fear of what he saw in front of him. That he lived with an integrity of following what God had said. And, and, and his words there was that we should go and take this land. We can do it. Not because of his own strength, but because he knew that God had said and therefore it was possible. Even if they were giants, even if they were these, in, the land devoured its people and everything else that they said, which is a bit dramatic, they should have known that God who had, if, if we just think about it logically, here are these people who were in slavery in Egypt with no way out. And you remember that, if you, if you know your Bible history, you remember the 10 plagues that God sent. And God did these incredible things and showed who he was. Then the final plague with the, the Passover where the, and after which Pharaoh let them go. Incredible move of God. Then they wander through following, uh, protected by the cloud and the, uh, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Then they get to the, the, the Red Sea and there's no way through it and God parts the Red Sea. And they walk on dry ground. And then Pharaoh and his armies chase after them. And while they're still in the middle of the dry ground of the Red Sea, the sea closes behind them and destroys the entire army of Egypt. There, the Bible says that there was not one left. So this is the incredible picture of God who had promised to take them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And now God is saying, that's the land. I know we can look at it from reading the whole account, but surely, or am I just dreaming, that if you've experienced such incredible miracles and power of God, when he says, go into this land, it's the one I've given, I've done all of this so that you would go in there. And that your life in there is going to be the life in the promised land which is in your inheritance, which is far better than slavery and the product of all God's um, minister, uh, move of his spirit and everything else. Surely, no matter what you face there, in light of who you've experienced God to be, there should be this thing of, God, you've said it. You've done all of this. You've said it so we can go. And so that's, Caleb had that attitude. Caleb had that spirit. He had the different spirit of, God said it, we can go. Surely we can take this. It's exceedingly good. We can go. God will do this. We, we've got this. And then when the nation decided that they don't, it's too scary, they can't do it, they, 
they just cower. What we see is how God's responded to their lack of faith and trust in him when he had done all of this other stuff. But it says Caleb was of a different spirit and he followed God wholeheartedly. And eventually, if you jump all the way forward uh, to Joshua chapter 14, we see when after the 40 years of wandering the desert and everything else, and then when they cross the Jordan to go, finally do go in, Joshua, I mean, Caleb says to Joshua that he actually asks him if he can go and take the hill country that he was promised. Do you know how old Caleb was when he went by force and took the area of land that God had promised him. 85. 85 years old. Right, Ndame. 85 years old. How many of us, someone this morning was um, uh, chatting through there and they said that they'd played tennis yesterday and they suddenly realized that actually they, he suddenly realized that now maybe he is getting old because this morning he's stiff. How many of us, as we get older, we kind of like the idea of slowing down? I don't think there's anybody here this morning who's 85. How many of us would have that sense of passion and zeal and faith and gumption to go and take our inheritance that God has promised at 85? And when it says that he took the hill country, he didn't go with tanks and mortars and helicopters. He went on foot maybe on a donkey or I don't know what, but they predominantly went on foot and fought with their swords and things in their hands at 85. So my question for us this morning is, how do we respond to God? Do we live with the same spirit of the world or or just let the comforts of all those things come Or do we say, God, stir my heart. Let me follow you with a different spirit, wholeheartedly, passionately, doing everything that you have called me to do. Now, we know that the weapons of our warfare are not like the weapons of the world. Ours is spiritual. And so I'm not saying you go and find some machete and take a house you want. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is, what is God stirring in your heart? What is the promise of God to you that you would fight for and stand strong for? On the prayer, <coughs> prayer guide that we sent out this morning was this scripture in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and, her, of heaven and earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and as understanding no one can fathom, he gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. That's what God promises. That those who put their hope in Him. So you might feel tired and weary or battered and bruised but go to God he doesn't say that they might be strengthened 
or if he feels like it, they will be strengthened. It says those who hope in him will be strengthened, will be refreshed, will be restored. And so my, my, my challenge this morning is what spirit do we live by? Is it one that is governed by what goes on around us and everything that we face that can make us feel exhausted, can make, and I get that people's jobs are tiring, I understand that, but if we then just step back and say, well, God, I can't do this. You see, God speaks and God works through us as church. And so if God says to us, I want you, or says to you, I want you to do this, if we understand what it means to be like Caleb, it means our response is always going to be, God, if you've said it, I can do it. It might look difficult. I might feel insecure. I might not feel qualified. But God, if you've said it, I can do it. Because it's not me. It's, it's you in me, and I'm doing it with you. You see, when we look at Caleb, he didn't stop growing in God. He didn't get all... Even when... Even when Joshua was chosen to take on the role of leading the nation of Israel instead of him after Moses, he didn't get in a huff and think, well, I should have done that. I could have been the one. He acknowledges that God is in control and he submits to Joshua and he even asks for permission. He doesn't let bitterness or griping or grumbling or anything else uh, or, or the sense of being outdone by someone else affect him at all. What we see in, in Caleb actually is someone who, who loves God, takes God at his word, trusts God implicitly. If God says it, no matter how difficult it might be, we can do it. And puts his heart to that and starts doing that. And it says that, and, and, and says that he, he had a different spirit and trusted God. And follow him wholeheartedly. We'll look next week a little bit more at what wholeheartedly means, but that's with everything in you. But what's this mean that we live with a different spirit is that he was a man of faith. <coughs> so as God speaks to us as individuals and us corporately as a church, do we respond by saying, well, I can't do that, I can't do this, I can fit this in, but not that in. God, I can't do that. that that's uh, beyond my reach, but, but this I can do. Or do we respond by saying, God, my li- the life I live is no longer mine, it's yours. I'm bought with the press, the life I live is yours, not mine. So whatever you call me to, I will do. Whatever you say for me to do, I will do. I will do it trusting you. And in our weakness, then we are strong. When we don't understand, when we go to him, he equips, he enables, he reveals the truth of his word. But if we're going to follow God in the different spirit, I think sometimes that spirit also needs to be different from what we see in the church general, which is, well, I will fit the things of the kingdom of God around the kingdom of James so that I can do what I can do when I can do it rather than saying actually there is no kingdom of James James is a servant in the kingdom of God if it says that we follow him with a different spirit surely it needs to be God what you say I will do where you go I will follow what you tell me to do I will do what you say I mustn't do I won't do Someone came to me this week and said, through the prayer times, there's been this growing sense in their spirit that actually, 
We need to be those who respond with God no matter how difficult, how uncomfortable, how out of our comfort zone, out of our thinking it is that you've called me to do and be, I will do it. You see, we are called to reach the lost. We're called to sow seed. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to pray for the sick. We're called to be salt and light, which means that we need to do what God calls us to do. I know it's not easy to preach the gospel to strangers. Every insecurity comes up. What happens if they reject me? What happens if they, what happens if they argue? Or what happens if they hit me? What happens if it's all sorts of things? But it doesn't change what God's asked us to do. What happens if I put my head above the parapet and live like a believer in my workplace? I'm going to be accused of this or say this. They're going to say this. Or... Who cares? We live God's way. You see, Caleb and Joshua, out of the 12, were the only two who said no matter what or how big that promised land and the people who live there looked like, God has said it's ours. I might not be able to work out how we're going to take it, but if God has said it's ours and God is saying go, then we need to go because he will give it. Now, I don't know the, the complexities or the, the things that you face in your life, but let me ask you this. The things that you know God is calling you to do, are you responding with, God, I'm in completely. Lock, stock, and barrel. I'm in with everything. And I might not understand it, but I'm going to obey. If you've said it, I'm going. If you've said it, I'll do it. If you've said it, I'll give it. If you've said it, I will say it. You get the picture? Caleb was different from the others. Caleb and Joshua were different from the others. That They said, if God has given it, we can take it. Surely it's good for us to go in. We can do this. And as we sit here in, in Crawley and with the, the task of reaching, I'm not even on page three of my notes, um, and there are nine of them. Uh, if, if, if we are here in Crawley because God has called us to reach the lost, or wherever you live, or what, then surely we can do it. If we're here to pray for the sick, because God says we to pray for the sick, Surely you can do it. It's not just some. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, whatever it is that God's laid in your heart to do, whatever the promises of God are for us as a church and for you as an individual, surely if God has said, then it's possible. But what's our expectation? Do we look at those things and think they're giants? We can't do that. You see, the problem with that is that we then take our eyes off Jesus and off the promises of God and onto ourselves and onto the physical and onto the natural things that we see that are so in your face and we lose the promise and the power of God who has called us. And then we consumed with our own self-preservation and our own comfort and our own protection and, our, and actually what happens is our whole world shrinks and our view of God shrinks. He doesn't shrink. Our view of him shrinks. God is unchanging. He is all-powerful. 
but our view of him shrinks. And then suddenly we start wandering around the desert for years. The same patterns, the same issues, and we think, oh, this is terrible. And God in his grace and his mercy supplies for us while we wonder the equivalent of the quail and the water and the protection and everything else, just like he did then. But we are not called to wander around head down, small world. We called to live with a different spirit of God. You've said it. We are going to do this. With great faith and expectation. Trusting God and taking him at his word. And even if it's 40 years from when, like Caleb, they went in. Then the nation wandered for 40 years. And then he was 85. So from when God promised and he first went to when he actually went, 40 something years. His faith hadn't reduced. His expectation of God hadn't reduced. How often when we pray and we feel God saying something and it doesn't happen within six months or a year, well, maybe I missed it. Maybe God didn't say. Forty-something years. I think none of us would even consider it to be abnormal if someone who was 40 had to wait until they're 85 and then said, actually, you know what, I'm tired now. You go and do the fighting and I'll come do the living in the land once you've done it for me. None of us would think any different. We would think that's quite normal. We think actually, or, or even in that long period of time, it's like once I had a dream that we would go into there because God had said, but it's been 40-something years Maybe it'll be some, maybe I misheard. How much more we see, should this stir us when we see this man who 40 years later was as passionate about taking hold of what God had said as he was when he was younger? And how much we should gain from that that actually even then when he was old and probably couldn't run as fast or he still went and did it. Why? Because God had said his faith hadn't changed. In fact, I think in order to do that, his faith must have increased. I think his expectation of God's faithfulness must have increased. I think his, his whole understanding of God must have done that. But what we see is that J, Caleb, when we look at him compared to the rest of the people, you see none of those other ten and that generation even went into the promised land. They all died in the desert, which really is a scary thought. If you just do the parallels, if God speaks and says, this is what I want you to do, and so we go and do that, or we reject and say, well, no, we can't, we can't, we can't. The whole of that generation, they just wandered around the desert and they died in the desert. The promises of God were for them as much as they were for Caleb and Joshua. Yet because of their response to God, of lack of faith, grumbling, complaining, moaning, rejecting God, they died never walking in their inheritance. Caleb was bold, full of strength and courage. Those around him were fearful and discouraged. Caleb was faith-filled. Those around him 
doubted and lacked faith and looked more on their own strength. Caleb was obedient. Those around him were grumbling complainers. Caleb believed God, taking men as word. Those around him, though they had experienced God's faithfulness, doubted. Caleb was unwavering in his fidelity and obedience to God. Those around him were despairing and floundered. What about you? Galatians chapter 5 speaks about us being led by the Spirit of God. And if we're led by the Spirit, then we keep in step with the Spirit. And the Spirit is the one who encourages, strengthens, equips, brings fruit, changes our lives. Last week I mentioned the, the scripture in Romans that it says that do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we can live as God has called us to live. Matthew chapter 5 speaks about us being salt and light. Jesus goes on to speak about all these different things of how we to not be angry with others. We not to, um, we to love our enemies instead of hating them. We to pray for those who, who persecute us and bless those who take from us and go the extra mile. And Jesus, Jesus outlines in all his teaching how we live with a different spirit in the world around us. which is what Caleb did. But also I'd like to point out that if we have the picture of the church as the as nation of Israel as a parallel to the church, Caleb also lived with a different attitude and different spirit from some of those in the nation of Israel. And so sometimes we need to be aware that actually sometimes other believers and their lack of faith and attitude towards the things of God can influence how we respond. Let it be the other way around. Let it be that we who know him would encourage, strengthen, build up, point others who know him to faithfulness and obedience rather than allowing people's grumblings and complaining to bring us down. And how do we do that? How do we live in that place? I'll give you three points and then we'll end because I'm, I'm not going to finish this this morning. By being in his word. The word of God fills us, strengthens us, changes our thinking, changes how we live. (coughs) Because the word of God speaks about the truth, the unchanging, everlasting truth. That's why the world hates it. They try and change it to fit in and it's my truth and your truth and which isn't truth. The truth of the word of God is what he watches over. It's what we build our lives on. That is how you strengthen yourself. By the word of God being in us, dwelling in us richly. Dwelling in you richly. The word of God dwelling in you richly. And that means that you and I need to take the word and read the word and ponder the word and let it wash over us daily. The other is worship. And by worship, I mean, is not Sunday morning singing songs, that, that, that kind of worship. That is good and essential and necessary, but in your own life, 
worshiping God, giving Him the glory, giving Him the honor, singing, speaking, living. Our lives are act of worship. The Romans tells us to, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, and that's our act of worship. In other words, everything we do, everything we say, everything we are, that should be worship. Why? Because it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. This body is not mine, it's His, and so I offer it, God, it's yours. A sacrifice of worship. And then the third way is, <coughs> if you like alliteration, the closest I could get would be wondering, which is actually more just being in God's presence. And, and dwelling in his presence and spending time with him, waiting on him, putting your hope in him. But also moving forward. That actually as we spend time communing with God, waiting on his word, then it's more than something that's head knowledge. It comes and transforms how we live. And we get to hear his voice. We recognize his voice. He refreshes. He restores. That Isaiah scripture, those who put their hope in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, renews strength, encourages, strengthens. How do we sustain living in a different spirit wholeheartedly by being in God's word, being in God's presence, worshiping him, trusting him, and taking what he says and doing it? No matter how difficult, no matter how complex or simple, no matter how unqualified or qualified, saying, God, if you have said, then we can do it. God, if you've called us here to reach this town, this nation, and beyond, we can do it. Not in our own strength, because in our own strength we can do nothing, but God in your strength. Caleb followed God wholeheartedly, and he had a different spirit. That spirit was one that was in tune with God, the fruit of the spirit working through his life, trusted God, passionately followed him, So two questions to end with. What is God saying to you? What is God speaking to you? What are the promises of God over your life and over us as a church? But what is it that God said? And what has your response been? What has your response been? My encouragement is respond like Caleb. God spoke. God moved. 40 years later, 85, he walked in and took hold of, probably not walking in, fighting for, still fighting for. Have you got that tenacity and fight in your spirit that says, God, you've said I'm not letting go. You remember Jacob, when he met with God and he wrestled with God and he said, I will not let go until you bless me. I will not let go. How do we respond to the things of God? Do they come in, get written in books, put on post-it notes, stuck on your fridge? Or is it something that you take and you wrestle with? God, you've said. I'm not letting go till you, till you come through. Maybe there are promises that God's spoken over your family or friends that don't know him. And it's been a number of years. Have you just thought, well, 
Or is it, God, I'm not letting go. I'm taking you at your word. This is what you've said. This is We can do this. See, our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world, but they're weapons that have power because they come from him. And so the ground that we take is the ground that he's given. And whatever that looks like in your life. I'm going to pray, then we will end. We'll pick up again next week, but... Maybe this morning you don't actually know what God said. My encouragement would then be ask him. Ask him to speak. Ask him to show you. As you read the word, ask him to show you what he said for your life. Get others to pray with you. God, I thank you that you're not a God who stays silent. You're not some figure carved by man you are the living God the creator of heaven and earth God I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us individually but also you have a plan for us together corporately for whatever length of period that times of time that is Father I pray for each one of us that we would be like Caleb we would hear the truth of your call and your word and we would respond wholeheartedly with a different spirit, a spirit that lands up with the truth of your word. Father, that no matter how that makes us feel, we would always throw ourselves completely at your mercy and your grace and we would do what you've called us to do. God, when you speak, let us be those who say, God, you've said, so therefore we can do it. And Lord, where fear and concern and worry and insecurity come, Lord, we thank you that we can come straight to you. Where things happen that we feel, well, that messed it up, God, you've got the bigger picture and we can come straight to you. And that in you we find our strength, our hope, our faith. God, I pray for every single one of us that as we wait on you, you will do as you have said you'll do, which would renew our strength, lift our gaze, give us your perspective, empower, strengthen, encourage, build up, that we will run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, and soar on wings as eagles. God, that we would walk in the fullness of what you've called us to. And even if we pass on from this world, not having seen the fullness, God, our faith would not waver. Our expectation would not waver for the generations that are to come. God, I thank you that you love us so much and are involved in our lives. I pray that as you challenge us, that we would respond with an open heart and a willing spirit to do all you've called us to do. Thank you, God, that you revealed to us your plan and your purpose by your spirit. And Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning who is unclear of what you've called them to or what their role is or how they fit or what is next. God, that you would speak clearly, open their ears that they would hear you speaking. Lord, that it wouldn't just be some, but it would be all of us doing all that you've called us to do 
for the sake of all that need to meet you. Come, O oh God. We surrender to you. And we ask you to move in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you so much. There is tea and coffee.